This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty. Right now, if you got Otani and put him in this lineup, why would I pitch to him? I would pitch around him. So that's not going to help you with the people you have in the lineup right now. If Otani's in this lineup, why am I pitching to him when I can pitch to DJ or Stanton or Glaber or Volpe? The list goes on. Why, why would I? Same thing if Judge came back tomorrow. So you're looking at a spot right now where it, this is an off-season fix. You need multiple players to get this offense offense going again. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty. Lose and put me out of my misery. On 98.7 ESPN. My misery's feeling pretty good tonight with the Mets 5-1 win, even though it doesn't mean anything. Although I will say this. There's a player on this team that, that has been the bright spot. There's always there's been a silver lining with this Met team. I'll tell you about that in a couple of minutes. Final hour is uh, I am in for Dan Grasser here on 987 ESPN. Big Daddy Ty Butler at 10 o'clock. 1 800 919 Let's go to Hammer in Bergenfield. What's up, Hammer? Larry, it's been a long time. Hope you're doing well, my friend. It's been a while, Hammer. So, Thanks for checking in. So I cover the, radio, the Raiders, I'm sorry, on my YouTube channel, Raider Nation News Today, and we've had that ongoing uh, talk about this contract situation up until Monday. And I just heard you talking about Saquon, the games that he's missed throughout the first few years of his career. Josh Jacobs has only missed five games total in his first four years. <laughs> he's rushed for over 1,000 yards three of his first four years. Last season, he made up for 30, 33% of the team's entire offensive yards. I roughly was saying that a three-year, $40, $40.5 million deal, guaranteed money between 25 to 28 was fair. I wanted to hear from you what you thought was a reasonable deal for not just him, but Saquon Barkley as well. Uh, Hammer, thanks for the phone call. I would say something not that big because of, once again, you're concerned about the injury situation, but... Um, I don't know. How about it's really the guaranteed money, though, as you know, Hammer, that's the issue. So even if they gave him, even if they did two for 23, even if they did two for 23, could you give him 15, 16 guaranteed? Even if you did two, two, even if you did that, even if you did that, because that's, that's the bottom line. That's what he's looking for is the guaranteed money. I can't, I can't imagine what the guaranteed money looked like and how bad it was as to, as to why he wouldn't sign it. I can't imagine. Can't imagine. By the way, Harrison Bader, who got hit in the back in the top of the sixth inning, out of the game. IKF is in center. We suck. Um, as you know, not long after it happened, I said to Joe Leo, I smell an IL stint coming up. Just keeps getting worse. Now, hopefully it's not. They're just taking precaution. You know, hopefully he'll be okay. Be in the lineup on Friday. But man, when it rains, it pours. (laughs) When it rains, it pours. 
I don't know what's going on, Mr. Lombardi, but it's 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 not good. I'll tell you that. It's not good. Buddha's in the Bronx. What's up, Buddha? Hey, Uncle. What's going on? How you doing, big bro? I'm doing good, partner. What's happening? Yeah, you know, it's Rachel Robinson's birthday. And also 101 years Scott's old. Absol- yeah, yeah. That's right. Bittersweet, you know? It is. It really is. It really is. Mm. Now, also, I, I wondered if uh, Joe Shane was working at the ESPN headquarters. I mean, I read the names of the people that they let go. Wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah. a lot of folks, man. A lot yeah. of folks that you knew for a long time. Mm-hmm. And yeah. not to be a funny guy, not to disparage anybody, it had to be about money because some of the people that they kept, <laughs> not on the same level. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I hear what you're saying. Sad to see some of the, those good co- some of my colleagues leave. Sad to see. But you know what they say, Buddha. You know what they say, Buddha. This is the business we have chosen. Yeah, tell me about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, they did. They, I can't say they didn't do well with their careers either. So, you right. know, just hate, just hate to see that. You know, you just Absolutely. hate to see that. Absolutely. You know. Now, listen. What you were talking about, listen. And you, you're right. Like you are, like absolutely most of the time. You know, I was thinking about the Otani thing. You know, solves a couple of problems. Left-handed bat. You know, um, a, a, another pitcher in the rotation with the Severino being what's, what he is at this point. And, um, you know, maybe it would be worth bringing Judge back. But, like, when you look at this stuff in hindsight, none of it makes any sense. You know, you never want to root for your team to lose. But, I mean, you're talking about these are going to be some off-season fixes. Who the people are going to fix them? The people that got us in this mess in the first place? You know, this Lifetime Achievement Award with Brian Cashman, I mean, I guess the only way it could stop would be if, like, if you know, like like Robbie was talking about, when they come back in here and, and the fans are going, like, that has to be a consistent thing for, like, a major portion of August. You know, those seats need to be empty. You know, there needs to be vitriol. You understand what I'm mm-hmm, like? Mm-hmm. It has to be something disastrous to force radical change. Because I'm telling you, just firing Boone, is similar to firing the hitting coach. It, it, it's nothing of substance. You're just going to go get another guy who's like, but who do you think they're going to get hit a match? Like the, those older guys, you know, those traded Jack McKeons, these guys are gone. They're going to bring in somebody else here that they're going to mold like, like, like putty, you know, and, and, the, and it's going to be the same result if you don't have a different approach to building a team. There's nothing wrong we're saying we thank you for your service. But, I mean, I, the, the Hal Steinbrenner and Brian Cashman relationship, it's its an inappropriate relationship in terms of business. You understand mm. what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. You hire somebody from your family or somebody that you consider family, and it gets to a certain point where you can't hold them accountable because there's feelings there, there's emotions there. And I don't care how much money they're making. The Yankees are starting to become an embarrassment as a franchise. They're not not—they're not a blue-chip franchise anymore. And he has to see that, but he's not going to – the worst thing in the world would be is they squeak in here for that third wild-card spot. That, that, that would be the worst thing in the world. It really would. There will be no change next year. It will be none. And, you know, it, it's just very frustrating, especially – I mean, I either listen, man, I, I love the 70s. For a lot of different reasons. And the Yankees, the Sixers, 
you know, it, it was a it was a wonderful time for me to be a sports fan. Not so much these days, man. Mm-hmm. I hear you, Buddha. Thanks for the phone call. It's it's different. It's different, and it's it's frustrating because once again, for especially a Yankee fan, here's what you feel: you feel there is no accountability. You feel that uh, Cashman can make mistakes and make bad moves and bad deals. And he, there's, there, he still keeps his job. There's no, there's no uh, penalty. There's no, uh, you know, accountability, as I said, that he can still do this and still have his job. And so that's the frustration you feel when you came in that era. And you know how, you know, the late George Steinbrenner was. You made mistakes. You were accountable for them. You had to pay. And that's what I think fans really long for when you think about it. When you when you hear fans say that, you know, I, I want the team to hurt like I hurt. I want the team to be bothered when they lose like it bothers me. I, and so you, once again, to the to, to the to the sports fan, there's no accountability. It doesn't look like it bothers you. It doesn't look like it bothers players. And I'm not saying it does or doesn't. I think it's individually based. I think some players take it more seriously than others. I do. I think there's some that it really bothers them when they're struggling and some that, you know what, I, I, I'll suck it up and I just got to put in the work and try to figure out what's going on. For example, Jeff McNeil, you know when Jeff McNeil doesn't hit, it bothers him, and you can see it. He wears his emotions on his sleeve. Some will say it's a good thing. Some will say it's a bad thing. But I believe that's the biggest issue that you see is the lack of accountability from people in the front office who make mistakes now, where managers would be fired, coaches would be fired, players would be traded. It's different. It's, it's a different sports world now than what it was then. Players have, depending on the sport, not football, but depending on the sport, a little more leverage than they've had previously. And in some ways it's a good thing, and in some ways it's a bad thing because some players have, you know, maybe taken advantage of it a little bit. But that's the real thing, right? It's that accountability that people who, because what what, what do we know about sport it's a business a and b it's a production-based business if you don't produce it used to be you didn't play simple as that we'll take more of your phone calls plus there's been a bright spot on this Mets team this year and while I've talked so much about how they've been bad and all the disappointment and everything. There's one There's one player who's put a smile on my face. I'll tell you who that is next on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Honesty for Grasso on 98.7 ESPN. Mets with a 5-1 win. Justin Verlander. Went back in the time machine. Solid outing for the big fella. Nice job. See, that's the Verlander. Now, once again, that's the Verlander that, uh, you know, it's always good to see. Did a great job tonight. 
Great job. 100 pitches. Tidy. Nice and neat. It is the White Sox, but listen, we've criticized him when he was bad before. We'll, we'll take the win. The Mets need these wins. <laughs> Badly. They're now just, just five games under 500. 45 and 50. So they're trying to string some things together. So that's that. That's a good thing. One of the bright spots, we get to the calls in a second. One of the bright spots for me from this Met team, clearly, Francisco Alvarez. And the hitting has been as advertised. The hitting has been as advertised. The, the defensive ability at catcher and what is in this age of uh, framing, which is so important for your catcher, he does a nice job with that too. And the word was defensively he was he needs some work. They've done a nice job with him. He has been fabulous. He's been fabulous. Okay? he He's really been a, a spark plug for this team. At one point in the season when the Mets were having trouble getting runs, well, one of the many times they were having trouble getting runs, he was the guy that was really doing it. He was the guy that was the consistent bat. He was the guy that was making contact. He was the guy that was driving in runs or hitting home runs. And he now has become a fixture in this lineup. You know, great job for him. Two for four tonight with an RBI in the run scored. 534 slugging for Francisco Alvarez. He's, he's been everything you could ask for. Everything you could ask for. By the way, the line on Verlander tonight, eight innings, three hits, one run. It was earned one walk, seven strikeouts, one home run. 100 pitches, 76 for strikes. That's Justin Verlander. Now, don't, don't, if you're a Met fan, just take it easy. He's put together a couple of good starts. Let's see what happens. See if he can continue it. Say back to the phone to 1-800-919-3776. Uh, Foz is in Brooklyn. Foz, you're next on 92. Did I say that correctly? Yeah, you said it. He said it perfectly. All righty. What's up, my friend? All right. So, by the way, thank you for taking my call. You got it. I just want to say this. Now, mm-hmm. when it comes to Yankee fans, it bothers me how privileged they are that they all they know is winning. So now they have a season where they kind of look human. Even though they're above 500, now they're just losing a little, and every Yankee fan is crying so hard to fire everybody and to do an overhaul. I am a Jets, Mets, Knicks, and Ranger fan. So I know hurt every single year. Usually by the, by the midway point of each season, I'm like, all right, we're going to do it next year. It's at this moment in time when your team is losing that you're supposed to stand behind them, not say, hey, let's fire everybody. Let's get rid of everybody and do an overhaul. No, that's not what a real fan does. A real fan says, you know what, we're losing, but are they trying their hardest? And if they're not, they're saying, okay, let's see how we can fix it, not get rid of all the people. Because in the beginning of the season, you know what every Yankee fan said? Oh, man, look at our lineup. We're going to kill it this year. But all our people, now all of a sudden they're like, oh, this guy sucks and that guy sucks. They have no idea 
I'll say this, Foz, and thanks for the phone call. There are fans who think like you who are Yankee fans as well. There, But I understand your point, but I think when you look at this roster and you look at this lineup, there, there I can't think of many Yankee fans who looked at this lineup knowing that at the start of the season, the left field position was the position it was. That Josh Donaldson was going to be great this year, coming off the year he had last year. And the embarrassment of how they were just outclassed by Houston in the postseason last year. I don't see how any Yankee fan was thinking, we, we've got it made with this lineup. Now, they were confident that Aaron Judge, and they knew Aaron Judge was not going to have the season he had last year. The second half of the season, Foz, I think, and I'm just speaking for the Yankee fans right now, from the ones I've spoken with, the second half of last season really ticked them off because of the fact that nothing was done. After you looked at how that team performed in the second half, you had to be realistic to say, we're not as good as we were in the first half last year. The second half is closer to who we are. And because the second half is closer to who we are, we need to make some major changes on this team. And they didn't do that. So that's the frustration you're hearing. Plus the fact that, let's face it, they're, they're not playing well right now. But there are some fans who think like you. There's some Yankee fans who are just like, you know what? Let's go through it. Let's see what happens. I'm just hoping to see what's going on at the at, at the trade deadline. So there's some who are thinking that way too. But I mean, when you when you have not scored runs like this team has not scored runs, and you're a a really passionate fan, like really passionate fan, you can't be happy about what you're seeing now. And once again, you want accountability. And right now, there doesn't seem to be any because nothing has changed for a team that has, that's, like you said, maybe not privileged, let's just say, used to winning championships. And, you know, it's been a while now for them winning a championship. It's been a while. Uh, Michael's in the car. What's up, Michael? Hey, I just want to uh, thank you for taking the call. Uh, you got I it, Mike. sometimes wonder what, you know, Jerome in the Bronx would say, you know, I loved his calls for years. Mm. And, uh, you know, I know he's not with us any longer, but, yeah. uh, you know, that's what I think of sports radio. You know, you get the passionate guy calls in yelling and screaming. And, and um, you know, I, it's it's not going to be that way for the Yankees. The way it was, the game has changed. I pulled up a, a page here. The top five winningest teams since the Yankees won the last World Series. It's Dodgers, Yankees, Cardinals, the Tampa Bay Rays, which are doing a phenomenal job getting mm-hmm. production out of value, homegrown players, and the Atlanta Braves. So all the chalk, the brand names, you know, they're well within each other, a few percentage points. But of those five teams, they've only won three championships since the Yankees won their last one. One for the Dodgers, one for the Cardinals, one for the Braves. Right now, the Yankees don't have one. The Yankee fans probably think they should have seven. <laughs> right? But it's just, it's just an unrealistic mandate. And, you know, other teams are, are on the come up now. Yankees may be taking a little bit of a decline, but, you know, they're, they're in the hunt. They're, they're giving the fans not championship, but they're in the playoffs. Of those five teams, the Yankees and Dodgers have been in the playoffs ten times. Mm-hmm. Since they, you know, so it's like, yeah, I get it. You want that 
on the edge, yelling, screaming, somebody's got to go. But, you know, like I, 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 I'm 54. So after 50, I kind of mellowed a little bit. Mm-hmm. I looked at it and said, like, even last year, I really enjoyed the season. Just watching it, you know, getting to a few games with my son and what Judge did. I, mm-hmm. I don't know how the injuries continue to plague this team. Yeah. You know, it's just maybe the salaries are so high. And I'm not, not hating on the players for that. Like, the, the owners make a lot of money, too. Yep. But maybe they shut these guys down. Like, I, I joke around. I say, these guys go on the list for four weeks if they cut themselves shaving. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, uh, you know, I, I just don't – I want to give the other side a little bit that – not that they're great, but they're fine. I mean, they're, they're really – they're they're really delivering in a way other than championships. So, well, here's the thing, Michael. Th- thanks for the phone call. H- here's the thing: what the Yankees are doing now is they are giving you, the Yankee fan, sustainable success. In the fact that we get to the playoffs every year, and today's analytics say that once you get to the playoffs, anything can happen. And so that's what they've done. They've got to the playoffs year after year after year. What's happened, uh, Michael, to the Yankee fans, quite simply, is they're tired of being the bridesmaid. <laughs> they want to be a bride. <laughs> they're tired of going to wedding after wedding after wedding. They catch the bouquet, they catch the bouquet, and they never get married. They never win that championship. So to and that's where the accountability comes in, right? So to if I'm a shareholder with the Yankees, if they were public, which they are. But let's say they were public, and I'm a shareholder. I'm making money because they are they're they're in the postseason. They're getting part of the postseason money and everything. They're getting you know when they have home games and stuff like that. We get you know they're getting money from the crowd, the gate, and all the other stuff. They have they are a team whose fans have sustainable success, and the fact that they were at the bottom of their division for the first time since what the '90s has had some Yankee fans head spin. But that's because of the expectations, and that's what you have become accustomed to as a particular fan. Okay? As a Yankee fan, this is what you know winning. This is what you know. So when you're when you're when you're not winning championships and you have a team that when you look at it as a fan, you believe you don't even have a chance to win the championship to some fans it's that's unacceptable and then you add how much it costs to watch the Yankees on cable and go to the ballpark and this was any sport go to the ballpark and beer and parking and all the other stuff and food and concessions and jerseys and all the other stuff you're like for the money I'm paying to be a fan of this team I need to see a better product on the field and so that's the victory all that you hear from a lot of Yankee fans. That's why they're frustrated. Okay? If they were... Now, would they still be frustrated if they were getting to the World Series and losing every year? Absolutely. But it's a big difference <laughs> getting to the World Series and losing and not even getting there where they haven't been in a while. We'll continue the conversation here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. In for Dan Grasser, who's been doing a great job with Don LeGreco on the Michael K. Show during the week. Say back to you on the phones. Mark is in Newark. Hey, Mark. Uh, Reverend Larry, how you doing? I'm doing great, Mark. What's happening? Oh, man, I'm doing great, too. 
So, uh, the Mets. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. Yeah, the, the Mets are in a place that I'm liking. I'm liking because all the naysayers are, as they usually are, oh, well, the season's over and all. They're not going to. They, they, no way they could catch the Braves. No way they, they're eight out of the wild card. All of that crap. Larry, when you're back against the wall is when you find out what your team is made of. Mm-hmm. If you remember last year, I was telling you that uh, the Jets defense got mad in that, I think it was against Cleveland, and they was running the ball up the middle on us, and I said, Larry, they got mad. And, and, and from that point on, they started playing like elite defense. And I'm seeing this with the Mets right now. It's like they know that it's like a pressure thing, Larry. They know that the Braves, that, that's done. You're not catching them. Okay? Mm-hmm. So now they're in, they're in fight mode for this wild card so they can get a chance to get in the playoffs. And, I, and, and what I really like is that every guy is doing what they do. And tonight when I watch Beatty, you know, in the minors, he, his power comes up the middle. His last two nights, home runs, great dead center. Um, Burlander tonight put on a clinic of how to pitch aggressively with strikes. Larry, he pitched 76 strikes out of 100 pitches. Yes. He put on a clinic of you got a lead. You just get more aggressive. He just got stronger and stronger and stronger all the way up. He almost finished the whole game. Mm-hmm. And, and those are my impressed points about my beloved Mets. And Frankie Alvarez, of course, the baby Mets and that. But but this night is for Verlander and Beatty. Yes. What do you think? Uh, it's a great night for Verlander, no question mark. Thanks for the phone call, my friend. Uh, this, is, this is the Verlander we thought we were getting for most of the season. He was dominant. He uh, got his pitches over. And because he was able to get his pitches over, he gave you some length. And really, when you break the season down for the Mets, and there's been some issues. No, do they have the record they expected to have? Absolutely not. Uh, have they disappointed somewhat? Yeah, because they're better than how they've played. But the thing that really jumps out at you when you look at the stats is the fact that the starting pitching has not given them length, and it's really highlighted the, the flaws that you have in your bullpen, especially without Edwin Diaz as the closer. So everybody has moved up a spot. And because you haven't gotten length from your starters, the Mets have, have done – their win percentage is like four to one wins to losses when they when their starters go six innings. Four to one percentage, winning to losing. They just haven't gotten length. And it's put a lot of pressure on the pen. And in a number of cases, it's been back-to-back-to-back efforts. So you got back-to-back-to-back outings, and you're searching for a bullpen, and you're trying to get some guys in there. You got to rest starters, and you got to rest arms, and you got to make sure guys are ready. So it's been it's been a really tough situation for Buck Walter to manage. And then because the Mets have been so inconsistent, when they've gotten good pitching, they haven't always hit. Today, they got both. Uh, Mitch is in East Windsor. What's up, Mitch? Hey, Larry. Hey, Mitch. Uh, yeah, how are you doing? Um, I'm doing great. How are you? You, uh, you think pretty good. You think uh, Tanya would be traded? And we just get traded to say my Dodgers. Um, does you still got the MVP from early? I think he's got locked up right now. Especially yeah, I think so, too. leading triples. Yeah, I think so, too. I do, Mitch. Um, give it to him. I think. I think first one ever. Yeah. Thanks for the phone call. Mitch, I think know. that if he is going to – I think he – see, here's the thing. If I'm the Angels – 
I have to really ascertain where I am and what are my chances. Okay? When, you know, what, what, what's, what's happening here? Where am I in the wild card? What's going on? Do I have an opportunity to go to, to go to make it to the playoffs and maybe go deep into the playoffs? Okay. And right now, depending on this game, where they're leading six three, they're they're forty eight and forty eight. They're two games behind the Yankees. Ironically, Yankees have lost eight out of their last ten. It's unbelievable, and and the Angels had lost seven out of ten, <laughs> but they won three. They won two in a row against the Yankees, so they were on the they were sliding, so they still have a shot at the final wild card. Okay, so for them, depending on on if they really believe they have a shot, then you keep it. But here's the thing. It's a roll of the dice because if he leaves, you're getting nothing for him. So maybe you maybe you have to trade him. And what are you going to get? That's the question. What do you what do you have to give up to get him? I think the Dodgers have an excellent chance. And the most important thing is not only do, do the Dodgers have an excellent chance to get him, the Dodgers also have an excellent chance to resign him. And that's going to be the other part of this. He's going to, if, if that's the Dodgers, he gets to stay on the West Coast where you kind of got the inference that he didn't want to come East. But, you know, he's been in the leagues, league a couple of years. Maybe he's more amenable to be on the East. I don't know. On the East Coast. I don't know. But hypothetically, if we take him at his word and he was very happy to stay out West, the Dodgers would be the place. However, if I'm the San Francisco Giants, and Gordon Damer has mentioned this a lot, with the amount of names that they've been in attached to for free agents and big moves and have not gotten anybody, uh, that that might be an opportunity also to try to get him. That might be an opportunity. Connor Hughes. SNY Insider has tweeted out that the Jets have traded Denzel Mims to the Detroit Lions. Not sure for what. Kind of breaking news. <laughs> That's very good. <laughs> That's very good. So at least they got something for him. Now we'll see what they got. But hopefully he'll get a chance to play and show what he can do hopefully, with this new opportunity. We'll come back and wrap up this edition of the Dan Grosser Show next on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. 1-800-919-3776. A couple of phone calls. Let's talk to Nick and Freehold. Nick, you're next on 98.7. Hey, Larry. How are you, my friend? I uh, used to call from Edison. Yeah, all, all good, all good. I uh, always love your show. Always appreciate, appreciate your time. You. Thank you. I, uh, I, I, I got to tell you, I, I told your producer I, I'm going to keep calm. I can't do this anymore with the Yankees. Brian Cashman is a parasite in that front office. What, Larry, when there's one player that is taken out of the lineup and the team is this bad, 
how is it possible that this man can still be employed? 15 years now, they've done nothing. 290, we want to make fun of the Mets for being an embarrassment with a $400 million payroll. Fine. 15 years now, the Yankees have had a plus $250 million payroll. They have no offense outside of Aaron Judge. They have nothing. Carlos Rodon, beautiful signing. What did we need? What did we need in the offseason? A left fielder. We needed left-handed hitting. What did we get? Absolutely nothing. The pitching was never the problem. And here we are, stuck in mud. This team is terrible. We cannot continue on with this. How Hal Steinbrenner, after seeing a, an Astros sweep of us, we weren't even close. Four games, swept. How in the fact does he give these people? I, I'm not even going to get into Aaron Boone. I, I'm not going to do that. Everybody's been doing that tonight. How do they give the contract extensions to these people? Larry, I love you. I'll hang up and listen. I just had to vent it out. I appreciate you as always. All right, Nick. Thanks for checking in. Very, um, controlled frustration from Nick. I get it. I get it. Good job, Nick. I know you, there were some things you, you were skirting. <laughs> Thank you for keeping our license intact. <laughs> Nick, it's like this. Cashman's not going anywhere, my friend. He's just not. And what you said is true. They knew what they needed. Uh, it was very clear. Coming into the season, the offense needed to be upgraded. And it wasn't done. And that's why you're suffering the way you are now. And what really hurts you about Rodon is he wasn't available for you at the beginning of the season. And now he's trying to catch up. So because of the injury, it even makes his it makes his signing even more of an issue because of the fact that he hasn't been around. That's A. B, the Frankie Montas deal is just, I, I, I just don't understand it. I don't understand it. C was the Minnesota deal. So those, and Rodon, listen, we'll wait and see how he finishes. He might go on a roll once he gets himself together. We'll see what happens with him. The jury is still out on him. The jury is not still out on the Minnesota trade and the Frankie Montas deal. They, they both were flops. Bottom line. They did not help your team at all. If anything, they've hurt your team. You rolled the dice on, you know, on Donaldson and it, it's, you've lost, you lost your money. He hasn't produced and this year he's been injured and hasn't produced. So it just hasn't worked. And you're right. And the other issue here now is, and you mentioned the Mets. The Mets have money. The Dodgers have money. The Angels have money. Seattle has money. More and more teams have money now. Okay, this is not just the isolated situation where the Yankees are where we get the money. A lot of teams have money. A lot of teams now have decided to not to have decided to invest the money from, you know, luxury taxes and stuff. They've just, some teams have decided to invest that money into their teams and they're getting better. So, you know, all those years where Baltimore was a laughing stock in the AL East, they're not laughing stock anymore. They might be here for a couple of years. Uh, Tampa, where there was nobody in the stands in Tampa. Okay, They're, they've gotten better. You know, they've been a, a player. Toronto, even though they have not played 
to how good they, their talent is, they're a team that spends money. So you're not the only game in town now. And it's a difference. It's different. It's different. And, you know, it's, it's a more competitive market for the really talented players. But the Yankees have to find a way. Because they can't keep going like this. This is, this is, this lineup right now is not competitive. Not competitive. Richard's in Manhattan. Hey, Richard. Larry, last year the Yankees had Ben Attendee and they had Matt Carpenter. Mm-hmm. Once once Carpenter got hurt late last year, they were finished because that guy they yep. leaned on in August, September. He was great. And then uh, Ben Attendee, they let go. They have no left fielder. Nope. So they lost two professionals. And that and the fact that LeMahieu was hurt, uh, the, the team is just they, – they didn't replace the right place. You know, it's refreshing with the Mets, though. Mm-hmm. They're 9-4. and four. Right, they won six straight, then yep. lost four straight, now mm-hmm. won three straight. Mm-hmm. So if they go nine and four the rest of the season, each thirteen block games, uh, they'll win, end up ninety-one wins. That may get right. them in. So that's all they got to do. You know, it's funny. Uh, Buddha brought up in the seventies sports. Can I give you a quick story, Larry? Sure, about go ahead. Sports? Fast. You know, seventy-seven, seventy-eight Magic's first year. You know, in those days, college basketball. If you weren't a major team, nobody knew who the hell you were. Those were the days of Indiana, UCLA, Kentucky, Marquette, those schools. Well, nobody ever heard of Indiana State. Mm-hmm. We didn't even know Larry Bird, his first he played. He had two years there. The 77-78 year, we didn't know much about him. We heard a little about him. But, of course, the next year, he started building up a bigger name. We didn't even know he was a white guy that until a beginning around the NCAA tournament, and Nolan Richardson, nobody not less than Nolan Richardson, he tells the story, and at that time he was at Tulsa. He said he was listening to the car radio during that season, uh, you know, 78, 79, and he says he's hearing on the radio, Indiana State, and this Larry Bird steals the ball. He's listening to their game. Larry mm-hmm. Bird, a three-pointer. Larry Bird inbounds, gets the ball back, drives in. He says to his guy in the car, he was talking, he says, boy, that Larry Bird, he must be some bad brother. (laughs) (laughs) Nolan Richardson didn't even know at that time. Mm -hmm. That's the way sports was covered back then. We didn't know. The young guys now, they didn't have any idea. The coverage we had back then, you can't even compare to what we know now. Now, you remember that, Larry, though. Yeah, absolutely. It was 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 a a different world. world. Thanks for the phone call. It's so funny. And LaGreca talks about it with sports phone a lot with his days there. And that's how we, that's how you got updated with what was going on. That's how you were updated. And there's a number of, of broadcasters in this business who got their start at sports phone from back in the day, a number of them, you know, Stay with us. They would update the scores every 10 minutes. You'd call and you'd get the scores every 10 minutes. And what was really fun was boxing because they would, you know, they had satellite or something. They were watching the fight. And every 10 minutes they would, or they would do a little faster. What they would do for fights, they would update the rounds. It's after round one, they would do a quick review of the round and then they would put it, and that's how you kept up with fights. And, you know, Nobody was watching fights in their house back then, okay? 
late 70s, early 80s, nobody was watching fights. You were listening to it. You either had to go to the venue or you went to a movie theater and watched it closed circuit. People are like, what? <laughs> Different world. That's what technology does for you. That's what technology does. I remember the uproar. NBA games on cable? When TBS got first got the NBA contract? NBA games on cable on TBS? What? How is that possible? What we, how am I going to see that? And 150 years later, we got streaming, and we're yelling and screaming about that. <laughs> it's all about technology, right? It's all about technology and making the adjustments. So that's, uh, that's an interesting story, Richard. That wraps up this edition of the Dan Grasso Show. Larry Harsley filling in for Dan. I will see you tomorrow at noon when I join Bart Scott for Bart and Han. Up next... Big Daddy Ty Butler will take you along the way. Line the calls up for him at 1-800-919-3776. I'm sure he's in a great mood to talk about the Yankee game tonight. I know he can't wait to talk Yankees with you. Harvey, Joe, thank you very much. Ty Butler's next. You're listening to 98.7 ESPN New York. Lose and put me out of my misery.